Welcome to the weekly message from Upper Room Community Church in Vaughan. We hope that this message will help you grow in your faith and provide practical ways to strengthen your relationships. For more information, visit us at upperroom.ca. Good morning, my name is Serena. I'll be reading today from Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. My child, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding. Indeed, if you cry out for insight and call, cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it, ask for silver, and search for it, ask for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He holds success in store for the upright. He is a shield for those whose walk is blameless. For he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. Then you will understand what is right and just and fair, every good path. For wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will protect you and understanding will guard you. This is God's word. Well, as uh, Melissa said to you this morning, we're starting a series called Wise Up, which is about making wise decisions. And I was thinking about how in this culture now where we have um, social media and we have access to the lives of other people in a sense that we get to see up close the decisions that other people are making, right? And we get to criticize them. Yeah, I can't believe that guy said that out loud. You know, there's stuff this week, obviously, in the media where are like, really, somebody said that out loud? <laughs> uh, we get to see the things people do with their money. We get to see the decisions people make on who they're going to date and who they're going to marry and who they're going to unmarry. And, and we get to see it up close. We get to see the decisions of corporations as they choose to buy this or divest that. We get to see these things. And in a sense, I think we like to see them in part because we sort of go, what a, what a dumb decision. Like oftentimes I find myself saying, I can't believe they did that. Like, why would they do that? Why would they do that with that money? Or why would they say that out loud? Or why would they make that decision? Or why would they end things that way? It's very easy, in a sense, to be critical of other people's decisions, right? Because we, we're not in them, and we sort of sometimes have the benefit of hindsight of how it worked out, especially when the decisions they make end in catastrophe. Then often we go, oh, moron, right? Like, I can't believe you did that. And whether we say that out loud or not, maybe I'm the only one, maybe, or under our breath or whatever, essentially what we're saying is, I wouldn't have done that. Like, if I had had that wealth, I wouldn't have done that. If I had had that opportunity, I wouldn't have wasted it. If I had had that situation or that relationship, whatever, I wouldn't have squandered it. It's natural to say that, but we need to be a bit careful because, as I like to say, nobody draws a line from where they are, a straight line to a ditch, and says, that's where I'm headed. Like, nobody plans that, right? Nobody, nobody gets married planning to divorce. Nobody buys something thinking, this is going to end in bankruptcy. Like, nobody draws a straight line from where they are and says, I'm going to end up in that ditch. That's where I'm headed. Right? Nobody thinks it'll happen to them. Any calamity, any decision, anything we see in another person's life and it ends up in disaster, we can't say, well, that would never be me because they said that too. Nobody plans on heading into a ditch. And oftentimes the reason we say that, the reason we say, well, that'll never be me or I'll never screw up that royally or whatever, is because there's a number of things. One, we think, well, I have intellect or education. We say, I'm smarter than that. Or we say, I have experience. 
I've been there, done that. I've been through that. Or we might say, well, I'm a moral person. I'm better than that. Or we might say, I got a better gut than that. Like, I just, I just have a gut for good decisions. I, I, I kind of can feel it in my heart. But we should be careful, in a sense, not to rely simply on these things. These tend to be the things that give us the confidence to make the decisions we have. I'm smarter than that. I've been through that. I'm better than that. Like, I've got a better gut than that. But we've all seen very, very smart, very, very educated people make a mess of their lives. You can have lots of education. You can have all of the facts and still make a mess of your lives. You can be very experienced. You know, like the guy going on to his 10th marriage. He's very experienced. <laughs> but that experience, unless you've actually reflected upon it, isn't anything. Right? So experience alone isn't actually enough to help us make the decisions we need to make. Neither is morality. I mean, you can think, you know what? My boss is mistreating my peers, my employees, or us as employees. And that may be true, and that may be wrong, but you can decide to tell them in a way that ends up you seeing the door on the way out. And you think, did I do that right? I was right. That was wrong. But morality isn't enough either when it comes to make the decisions we need to make. And neither is it in our gut, because let's be honest, we've all been so convinced that we were right. Like, we've all had that feeling, we're like, he's the one, she's the one. And later it's like, no, that was tacos too late the night before. You know, like, our gut has failed us as often as it's led us in the right direction. Our feelings are legitimate, but they aren't good enough alone to be able to make decisions on. The truth is, you and I need something more. We need wisdom. If you think about it, almost all of the significant decisions you and I need to make in life require more than intellect, they require more than experience, they require more than morality, and they require more than a sort of a good gut instinct. They require wisdom. Like, should I date that person? Should I marry that person? Should I marry? Should I buy a house? Should I buy a new house? Should I call that headhunter back? Should I take this job? Should I spend this money that way? Should we try to have children? Those are all decisions where they're not right and wrong, most of them. They're not about having all of the facts, although having all the facts is important. They're bigger, they're more, they require something more. They actually require wisdom. It is something that actually all of us need in almost the most major decisions because you can have intellect, morality, uh, experience, and still make a total mess of your life if you do not have wisdom. See, we live in a culture now in North America that says choice is the ultimate freedom, right? The freedom to choose. We live in a culture now where we have more choices. than We think that the best way to raise kids is to give them as many options as possible. Because that's what we say we fought for. That's what it means to live in a free country, that I'm free to choose. The problem is freedom to choose without the ability to choose wisely actually doesn't lead to freedom. It leads to enslavement. Some of us are enslaved by worry and anxiety because of the number of choices that are available to us. What if I mess this up? What if I miss this? What if I do this and I should have done that? We're enslaved by anxiety. Many people are enslaved by addiction because they had the freedom to choose to do whatever they wanted. 
See, freedom by itself is not having choice. Freedom comes when we're able to do what's wise with the choices we have. And so we're actually spending the next seven weeks to say, okay, well, what, in your gut, as you're listening to me, you all know this, right? Like, we all know, we all know wisdom is good. When I have made a wise, wise choice, it feels good. When I'm up against a choice, I'm not sure what to do. I know I need wisdom. But what is wisdom? Like, we're going to actually explore, well, what is wisdom? How do you get it? And then in the second half of the series, we're going to actually look at a few different spheres of life where we need to make wise decisions. Dave and I are actually going to do Q&A after those services, uh, after the messages as well, because these are areas, okay, now that I know what wisdom is, how do I actually apply it in this area of my life, in this area of my life, in this area of my life? And our hope is what, that, what the tagline of the series says, like, better decisions, fewer regrets, and true peace, true rest, true freedom from worry and anxiety. And so that's what we've been praying for. That's what I've been praying for for myself. I've been praying for you as our church. As Tony and Dave and I have planned this series out, we're just praying, God, at the end of this, that we would actually be able to make better decisions, that we would live with fewer regrets, that we would be people of peace. Because we believe that wisdom comes from God. See, the scriptures, if you read sort of the stories of the scriptures, there's many stories of people in it. And there's stories of people that we look at that either were, were wise or foolish. And the biblical idea of a fool is not someone who's a dummy, who doesn't have the, the facts. A foolish person in Scripture is someone who lives as if there is no God, someone who does not take the wisdom of God into account. And so we want to be people who sort of understand the wisdom of God are actually able to apply it. And there's actually this whole section of books in the middle of your Bible called um, the wisdom literature, the wisdom books. There's five of them. Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Songs, and uh, why am I blanking? Joke. Um, they're, they're actually called the wisdom books. Even though wisdom is, is, is kind of written as a thread all the way through Scripture, there's these wisdom books. And one of the books we're going to camp out in a little bit through this series is the book of Proverbs. And uh, Serena read a little bit for it uh, from one of them already, but I want to read it again because it actually helps us understand, well, what is wisdom exactly? Proverbs 2 my child, and this is the teacher, we think it's probably Solomon, who was a really wise person talking to his son. My child, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, if you look for it as silver and search for it as hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He holds success in store for the upright. He is a shield to those whose walk is blameless, for he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. Then you will understand what is right and just and fair, every good path. For wisdom will enter your heart, and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will protect you, and understanding will guard you. From this text, it, it's, it's actually hard to get a, a really pithy or really short description of wisdom, but I think we can piece it together. Wisdom, in a sense, includes intellect and knowledge. It includes morality, but it's bigger than that. It's sort of the coming together, if we say, of knowledge, understanding, discretion, fairness, and rightness. It's sort of the coming together of all of those things. If you think about what is wisdom, it's knowledge, understanding, but discretion, right? Being able to choose well with what you know. 
It also includes this idea of rightness and fairness. So it, it's more than knowledge. It's more than mere intellect. It's more than mere morality. It's the coming together of these things. And the, the writer of Proverbs uses this idea of the heart and the mind and the soul. In other words, that um, your, your soul and the, the depths of who you are, the heart, what you feel, the mind, what you think, in a sense, is the coming together. Wisdom actually is the en encapsulation of all of these things. Knowledge, understanding, discretion, rightness, fairness in the mind and the heart and the soul. And the writer of Proverbs says, if you get this, if you can get this into your life, then you will have success. And he describes success in a bunch of different ways. He also says, you need to get this. It's as valuable as silver and gold. This is speaking from the mouth of Solomon, one of the historically richest men who ever lived, is saying, you need something that is even more valuable than riches. That wisdom, if you can get it, is worth more than anything. Which means this, hear, hear me on this. If there's anything you want in life, Okay, if, if you want a job, or you want a new job, or you want a promotion, or you want to be married, or you want to be successful, or you want to be wealthy, or you want a house, or you want a life, or you want a dream that you've been dreaming about having, if you want that, you need to want wisdom more than you want that. Because if you don't have wisdom, the danger is that you will destroy or it will destroy you whatever else you get, right? Without wisdom, you cannot handle whatever else you get in life. And we have seen that story played out over and over and over again for us in the media. And perhaps we can all say in our own lives we have seen it. When we get something but we don't have the wisdom to know what to do with it, in the end we will either destroy it or it will destroy us. Right? You can get the spouse that you want so badly, but if you don't have the wisdom to know how to live in marital harmony, it will destroy you. You can get the promotion and the wealth and the house that you want so much. You can get the life and the job that you want so much. But if you don't have the wisdom to know how to look after it and steward it and choose wisely in the end, you might even get to the point where you wish you had never gotten it. It's more valuable, the writer says, than silver or gold. So if you want anything in life, which every one of us does, you need to want wisdom more than that. Say, I must have it. I must have this thing, otherwise I can't handle anything else. You get it? That's what he's saying. He goes on later in Proverbs chapter 8 to give us actually even more of a picture of like, okay, what is wisdom? And in this, the, the writer of Proverbs uses this very clever literary device, and he begins to write as if wisdom is a person speaking in the, in the first person. Proverbs 8. The Lord, this is wisdom speaking, the Lord brought me forth as the first of his works. Before his deeds of old, I was formed long ages ago at the very beginning when the world came to be. When there were no watery depths, I was given birth. When there were no springs overflowing with water, before the mountains were settled in place, before the hills, I, wisdom, was given birth. Before he made the world or its fields or any dust of the earth. And prior to that, in verse 19, wisdom says, My fruit is better than fine gold. What I yield surpasses choice silver. The writer of Proverbs takes it further and says, Wisdom makes the world go round. Wisdom is at the foundation of the world. 
Timothy Keller, one of my podcast mentors, a pastor in, in New York, he, he makes this observation about this passage. He says, you know, every religion or every tribe has their origin story of the world, right? Has their creation story, how the world came to be. And he said, what you find is there's some faith systems or some religions or some ancient stories where saying the world came about as a result of chaos. Like a god was traipsing around somewhere and spilled stuff and other things happened and suddenly the world sort of spilled out and formed the way it is. It's an accident. It's a result of chaos. Now, science is far more sophisticated, but essentially it's saying the same thing. The world is a result of chaos, of accident, things crashing together. We don't know how or why they did. The odds of it are quite low, but it happened and the world is a result of chaos. And he says there are other faith systems that will say, no, the world is a result of conflict. You might find in the ancient Babylonian story of the Enuma Elish, which has actually informed many of the sort of creation or origin stories that you'll find in different religions. They'll say, and you see this a lot actually in, in superhero comics and stuff, where the earth was a product of gods fighting with each other. So gods were coming against each other. One god defeated the other god, cut up his body into pieces, and scattered it out over the uh, empty waters, and that became the land and the mountains and the rivers. And so he said, you have some creation stories that say the world is a result of chaos. Others, you say the, the world is a result of conflict. And he makes the point that Proverbs 8 says, no, the world is a result of wisdom. That wisdom, in a sense we can say this, is the governing principle of the universe. Wisdom is like gravity. If you try to defy it, you will not succeed. You might say, oh, well, we defy gravity, we fly. Well, you ask every aerospace engineer, every pilot, if you do not obey the laws of gravity, boom, it's over. Gravity will win every time. You cannot defy gravity and win. The writer of Proverbs says, wisdom is like that. Wisdom is underneath the foundation of the world. You cannot defy it and win, but it also means this, it's available to everyone. Right? If wisdom is the governing principle of the universe, wisdom is underneath everything that has been made, you cannot defy it and succeed. You cannot live without it, but at the same time, it is available to everyone. It's like, and then, and then he's, wisdom saying, I'm gold, I'm silver. Imagine this, it's like there's a layer of gold beneath the surface. It's like there's an oil deposit underneath your home, every home. It's like saying, look, it doesn't matter who you are. You don't care. You'll drill a hole right through the bottom of your house, no matter how beautiful that flooring is, if you know there's oil underneath there. If you know there's gold to be found underneath the surface of every place that you walk, you will get it. Because, you know, man, I need to get that. That's worth more than anything else I have. See what, what Proverbs is saying is this is worth more than anything else you have. You need to get it more than you need to get anything else. You need to long for it. You cannot live without it. You cannot defy it and succeed, but it is available to everyone. No matter our education or income, no matter what experience we feel like we have or don't have, no matter how good of a life we feel like we've lived in the past or we've made a mess of ourselves, wisdom is available to everyone listening. But where does it come from? Like, how do you actually get it? And it's interesting, if you read the first half of the book of Proverbs, it says a lot of things that we would say, oh yeah, that's wise. You know, like if you, if you do good things, you'll get good results. 
But you all know that that's not totally true all the time, right? You've done good things. It hasn't turned out the way you hoped. And as you read Proverbs, the writer starts to unpack, yeah, actually, wisdom's a little more complex than that. It's not about do this and do that. It's actually not just a set of principles that if you blindly follow, everything will work out because you and I know life's far more complicated than that. So how do we get wisdom? How does it actually work? Well, it's interesting. The writer of Proverbs, you know, uses this literary device of, of personifying wisdom, right, and making wisdom a person. But the writer of Proverbs didn't know actually part of what they were saying. They were actually hinting at something that we would find out later that one of the biographers of Jesus, one of the gospel writers, would tell us. That wisdom is not just a set of ideas. Wisdom is not just a set of principles. Wisdom is actually a person. And this is what John says in the beginning of his gospel. In the beginning, the word already existed. And the word, you have to know that the Greek word that he translates word from is the word logos, which doesn't mean speech or language. The word is best translated as reason. Or if we can say this, understanding. And I think we could say this as wisdom. Right? If wisdom is understanding how the world actually works, understanding the governing principle of the whole world, John says, actually, that wisdom is a person. It already existed. The word was with God, and the word, the wisdom, the reason was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. Wisdom spoke the world into being, he's saying. And he says, so the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. <laughs> wisdom is a person. His name is Jesus. This is how we get wisdom. Wisdom is not a wise old man on a mountain saying, try this, do this, find these 10 things, get a blue feather from the rare bird of such and such. And that's not how wisdom is. Wisdom actually came and made his home among us. And if you begin to look at the life of Jesus and the four biographies that were written about him, you will find he was wise in what he said. His words they were so accessible to everyone, no matter what their educational background, but they were so profound that even the most learned were blown away. But he didn't just speak. You know, we've had lots of people in our lives that have told us good, given us good advice, and yet we looked at their lives and go, yeah, but you don't live like that. But Jesus did. It wasn't just his words. He acted with such wisdom. He acted in a way that treated people with wisdom. He showed us wisdom is not just what you know. It's how you actually live. It's how you actually treat people who are weaker than you. It's how you treat people who are stronger than you. It's how you treat people who have less money than you. It's how you treat people who have more money than you. Jesus did this amazing thing, which we know this is what wisdom does. Jesus would take things that were complicated, and he would untwist them. He would uncomplicate them, right? Like, this whole thing about prayer, it's so complicated. And Jesus says, it's not that actually complicated. You're a father, right? Your child asks you for something like an egg, you're not going to give him a snake, right? So God's like that too. Oh, he uncomplicated what things that we tend to complicate. But then he also takes things that we risk at oversimplifying and saying it's far more complex than that. He says, oh, you, you're a good person? You've never slept with someone who's not your spouse? Oh, have you ever lusted after a woman? 
Have you ever looked at someone who didn't belong to you and acted like they did? It's the same thing. Ooh, it's more complicated. See, he took things that we oversimplify and said, no, it's more complex than that. He takes things that we overcomplicate and he untwists them and says, it's actually quite simple. That's what wisdom does. That's what Jesus did everywhere he went. So that we could see, oh, wisdom is not this wise old man or this idea or someone who wrote something 2,000 years ago but doesn't know what my life is like. (laughs) Wisdom walked in our shoes. Jesus had a blue-collar job longer than he did any than, than he was the savior of the world. He worked in our shoes. He walked in our shoes. He knew what it was like to face temptation, to face physical hardship, to face poverty, to be rejected, to be misunderstood. He knew what it was like to have the demands of people pulling at him this way, pulling at him that way. He knew what it was to feel tired, to feel like I cannot help another person. I just need to be by myself. Wisdom actually lived our life so we could see what wisdom looks like. This is why we celebrate and say, oh, man, this is good news that God has become one of us. Because we need to actually see wisdom in our life. And see, this is the good news of Jesus coming to us, that wisdom is available to everyone. We know this because Christ made himself available to every single person he came in contact with. It wasn't just a certain class of people, or a certain ethnicity of people, or a certain uh, uh, educated echelon of people that had, were, had access to Jesus. He was accessible to everyone. He was showing us wisdom has come into the world and is available to everyone. And so what does this mean for us? Well, the beginning point, I think, is to just be honest and admit we need more wisdom than we have. Be honest with yourself. You need more of it than you have. Because what's in us, right, because wisdom can't come from within us. Wisdom existed before we did. And whatever's in us is kind of twisted up. We're the ones who take what's good and twist it, right? It's called sin. But Jesus actually came to save us from the twisting that we do with all of the stuff that we get. And we know, you know, right? You've made decisions before where you knew what was wise, but you didn't do it. You ignored wise counsel because you thought you were smart or you thought your gut was right. We've all done it. That's sin in us. And so wisdom has to come to actually save us from ourselves so that we begin to live the life that he lived. And so the beginning of wisdom is actually saying, I don't have it. And left to myself, I'd twist it anyway. I actually need you. I need more of you in my life. Those who are aware of their need are the ones who are ready to receive, right? So that's the beginning is just be, be honest with yourself. Here's the other thing I'd ask you to do. If you have a decision you have to make in the next seven weeks, maybe someone to date, someone to propose to, something to buy, a job to leave, a job to take, a headhunter to call back, A purchase decision, if I could say, that's more than $1,000. If you have any of that in the next seven weeks, could I ask you boldly to wait? Just wait, if you can. Say, okay, Jesus, I want to know your wisdom into this decision. Thirdly, those of you that are in home groups, or if you haven't signed up for a home group before, whatever, we're actually going to spend time over the next seven weeks talking about this together in homes because we believe that community has a big part to play in the way we make decisions. 
and as we grow in our understanding, that we've, you're not in this alone, that you've been given a community of faith to learn wisdom together. And so if you're in a home group, just engage, get, try to get there, be involved in those conversations. And maybe if this is your first time in church or your first time in a long time, you're, you're like, I, I need this, I would just say come back next week. If you're not from here, if you're out of town, you can follow online. But if you are, come back next week. Say, okay, I need more of this in my life. If this is something that I cannot defy and succeed, but is available to me in as much as I desire, then I have to get it. It's the gold underneath my house. It's the oil deposit that every one of us is sitting on right now, saying it's there for you. It has been given to you in Christ. So let's receive it. Worship team is going to come up and lead us in a response that just simply says, Lord, I need you. I need you. This, this thing can seem so huge, right? Like maybe you've even been sitting here, and even for me as I was studying this week, I'm going, oh, Lord, like how do I really, like wisdom is way more complicated. It's not just all these things. And how do I apply wisdom in every, I've got a thousand decisions to make in a week. It can seem so overwhelming. Well, one of the things that is mentioned for us in that book of Proverbs, it's actually read several times during scripture, is about the path, that wisdom is a path, right? It's a way of walking. And you can only walk one step at a time. And more than that, the next decision you make is the most important. And even one decision with wisdom can change the passage. Because you can only make them one at a time. So don't be overwhelmed by saying, oh no, I've got to change my life. No. Like Jesus comes saying, I'm going to walk this with you. And let's just take the next step together. And so for the final moments we have together as we just sing this last song, just say, as you think about it, as you think, Lord, I need you. Sing that if you know this song in the light of saying, I need your wisdom. I need you because you are wisdom in the flesh. I need you in my life. And if you don't know Jesus, you say, I, I'm not even sure if he exists or he was real or if this is, all this is true or the Bible you just preached from. I don't know. I would just say this. He's gracious enough that you can ask him to prove himself to you if you really want to know. And so you can just use these next few minutes to do that. Just say, okay, can you prove yourself to me? I, I really want to know.